We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome in to Vern's Hot Stove. Blind into right center field for a hit. Merrifield's going to try to score. A good throw home could get him. Then the throw is not in time. Every Thursday night starting at 6, taking you all the way up to opening day in Cleveland. Slider is lifted to shallow center and back to make a great catch, Nicky Lopez. Live from Surprise, Arizona, here's Royals insider Josh Vernier. Yeah, I'm feeling good tonight. We're not talking about the lockout. Lockout is not coming up over the next 60 minutes. What is forthcoming is Royals special assistant, former first base coach, everyone's favorite coach, Rusty Kuntz. Former first round pick, former coach, Mitch Meyer, stops by to relive that memorable summer of 2009, playing behind Zach Greinke, some Billy Butler and David DeJesus stories. And some Bobby Witt Jr. stories from Mitch Meyer. All of that coming up. But speaking of Bobby Witt Jr., I just got done talking with the young man just uh, just a couple of hours ago after they were coming off the practice field out here in Surprise, Arizona. Here's my conversation with the number one prospect at all of baseball. Growing up, were all your buddies competitive like you, or was your competitiveness a little different than theirs? I think I was always the most competitive out of all the buddies and everything just because of, I don't know if it was how I was raised just with my parents and my, having three older sisters. I always just wanted to be the best at everything I did. And so, but yeah, anytime whether in elementary school at recess or middle school, whatever we're doing, I wanted to win either, no matter what it was. So I just, I've said it multiple times, I just hate losing really. And so just whenever I win, I feel that satisfaction. I just want to keep doing it each and every day so that kind of felt like that's what drove me did your competitiveness ever bother them was it ever too much uh a little bit sometimes here and there but I think the biggest like looking back whenever we'd play like dodgeball in elementary school like middle school they'd make me throw with my left hand some yeah because could get someone hurt but I always was like whenever I saw him not looking at that let one rip right-handed or whatever it was but I think that was kind of something to look back and who made the rule the gym teacher was that after something went awry the first time when you used your right arm yeah it was just you could just hear whenever I was throwing it hitting the back wall make kind of louder sound and had a couple other buddies that had good arms and stuff but and then some some of the girls were playing so it was you didn't want to really you could really hurt someone so would you say you're a bad loser I would say it's more of like motivation whenever I lose, when I don't really, I don't try to be a sore loser, but then I want to be like 
learn from that stuff. So I know what did I do wrong to lose and what did I do wrong to kind of fail. And then so the next time I go out there and do something that I, I won't do that. And so I kind of take it that way. And I've, as I matured, I've, that kind of came more and more like more to me. And I think as when I was young, a lot younger, whenever I'd be losing, I'd be really upset. I'd be crying and doing other things when I was super young, but now just knowing that a loss is okay. And like, people say you go three for 10 and you're a hall of famer in this game. You gotta, you gotta really cope with losing you got or failing and everything. So I think the biggest thing is just learning from failure and then building off the good and then just keep going from there and then just let things skyrocket off that. So as we get ready for 2022, where, and we could really go a specific aspect of the game by aspect of the game, uh, defensively, what are you excited to get out there and showcase I think just being out there now, kind of doing a, a new position. I played third a little bit last year, and then now doing that more so this spring training, and just trying to get as ready as possible for whatever whatever's to come. Just be really get super comfortable as I am at short as the third. It's not a crazy change, but just making sure my body is ready for third. Just being able to play that position because things happen a little quicker. But then also, it's it's a, you got to kind of slow things down when you're over there and so just getting comfortable with there which I am I've the past however many weeks been out here really feel good at playing whatever position really honestly in the infield and so which is a really good thing and kudos to the staff just getting me right and ready and just the other other players just I've been really trying to pick other guys brains and other coaches that have played third base or other positions is just what's their biggest changes for them and I it's not a huge change but it's also I just want to be perfect at it I just want to be I know no one's ever perfect but I just want to try to be as close as perfect as possible at whatever I play and try to be able to help the team so is third base look I was always taught center field uh, short second and catcher are the most important defensive positions on the field so so does third base allow you uh, to spend more time on your offense Maybe that's a stupid question. Uh, not really, no. But you also, with the shift now, you're pretty. If you're playing third, you also got to be able to play short. You got to play pretty much everywhere in the infield. That's why being comfortable at every position. With last year spring training, playing a little bit of second base, and then at short this year, we're doing the shift. I'm playing second base as well, and so you just got to really be comfortable at every position. But then I look at it as two different sides of the game. You got your offensive side, defensive side, and whenever you're out there, you can't be thinking about what happened at the plate because then that's whenever things kind of skyrocket and go downhill whereas you want to just be maybe have a bad at bad or whatever strike out maybe there's a chance you could score a run or whatever but then you make a great play a save and run in the field you just got to really be able to even those things out and make sure you're the same guy on and off whether it's offense or defense and I think I try to pride myself and just leaving all the bad stuff out there and just try to like we were talking about earlier with losing like you can lose by making the error, you can lose by striking out, but then you just got to kind of flip the script real quick and go out there and do your job, whether it's offense or defense. Yeah. Well, offensively, is is there an aspect, and I know you want to get better uh, in, in every facet of the offensive game, but is there a specific focus this past offseason? I think it's just simplifying things because these pitchers are throwing harder and harder each and every day with more nasty stuff, and so I just want to be able to make good contact with the ball and just let my – let the pitcher provide the power and just let my God-given abilities just let that go to work. And so I just shook out a lot, I think, last year, and I th feel like I can really limit that. And that also goes to just the mental side as well, not getting in my head, just relaxing, being myself, and just going out there and play the game that I love. And I think that that will kind of keep going as the more and more I play. And so 
that was kind of the biggest thing, just not really changing anything, but just going out there, simplifying things, and just focusing on pitching, picking good pitches to hit, and being able to drive drive the ball, knock the knock the wall down. I was reading a piece where Alex Zumwalt uh, said, "You have the ability to slow things down when they speed up for most other ball players." Is that a baseball only thing for you, or growing up, were all the other sports you played? Did they all seem to go a little bit slower for you? than the other guys you were playing with. Yeah, I would say just because I played football, a little bit of basketball, ran some track. And so with football, I'd play offense and defense. And so it wasn't really a big – it was always – I felt like fast to me. And then, But I was able to be athletic enough to be able to hang with it and everything. But with baseball, I don't know what it is. Just It's just what I've put my heart and soul to. And so I've just really tried to make things as easy as possible and just having my dad there for me and just having a lot of – support with me and being able to be like growing up I was blessed with all the the stuff I had I know a lot of kids don't have the resources that I had just with having my dad doing what he did and then being able to have a glove have a bat have these things and that a lot of guys that whether they're coming from Dominican or wherever they don't have I was I wanted to make sure that I got was able to like perform with that stuff use that stuff and then so really focusing on baseball I think that's what helps slow down the game as a whole and so as a young age I think that kind of clicked for me and I think that that's why I knew this is the game I was going to play all right so we talk offense defense what about off the field the leadership aspect how would you say you've grown as as a leader I've always kind of grown up I was always a shy guy and so just being able to kind of talk to now younger guys that are it's cool to see being out here seeing like guys actually younger than me it's the first time I've done that and so more so leading by example as of now but if guys I've always tell them like I'll reach out to them whenever they're drafted or whoever it is just whenever if they ever need something they can come to me and I feel like more guys have came to me and asked questions about like whatever it is stuff and so I think that just opening up to them and telling them like yeah I've I've been in your shoes and being like vulnerable not I guess vulnerable to those guys and opening up to them and just telling them the truth because I've been in those situations too where I don't know who to talk to but then other guys like Whit Merrifield put, put his arms around me talking to me Nikki Lopez whoever it is and there it shows me like oh maybe one day I can be like those guys and so those guys have been kind of role models to me as well and just going through all this it just shows me like that's who I want to be just be able to help these guys and I've looked up to so many Derek Jeter, Dustin Pedroia, my dad, a bunch of these guys. I want to be one of those guys too. And I feel like those guys in the locker room, they, they would talk if they needed to, but also they kind of led by example, did the th- right things on the field and did the right things off the field. And I, I think that goes a lot more than just trying to, if something goes wrong, then yelling at someone or whatever it is. Coming up, being in big league clubhouses, how much has that paid off? Knowing how to, uh, you know, despite your age uh, – Talk to a grown professional, a grown man, lead um, a grown man. Uh, how, how much did the behind-the-scenes access that you got growing up, how much did that help where you're at now? Yeah, I think it goes to show just other guys talking about guys. Like with guys talking about my dad, oh, he was a great teammate. I think that's one of the best things you can get because guys aren't going to remember your stats. They're not, but they're going to remember you who you are. Same as with Mike Sweeney. You hear guys, oh, he was the best teammate he would get on you if you do something wrong get you right but then and so that's just I think that goes to show you that those guys have remembered more than just 
the the stuff you do on the field. Yes, if you're winning World Series and everything, you're gonna be remembered. You're gonna be having a great time. But also, if you're that great teammate and you know that guys have your back and you have their back, I think that's that goes a lot longer. And then you're in those guys' weddings or whatever it is, just making those relationships. That's why I think baseball is so great because you build all these relationships in such a small world. You're talking to other guys. Oh, I remember you. Oh, and it's crazy. It's that's why I think it's one of the best games. Yeah, I would think the experience you had at the Futures game last year, those relationships you built with your teammates, those are things that you're going to remember, and, and, and those friendships uh, will, will, will likely last uh, throughout your, your career. And, and those guys that, that you played with in, in the Futures game, a lot of those guys are the same names that are ranked uh, ahead of you or behind you. Uh, you know, you're number one in this, you're number two in this, you're number three over here. Uh, th- those kind of rankings that guys on, on my side of the table, uh, those rankings that we put out, do, do, do those carve a, a chip in your shoulder? Are you the type that is searching for uh, doubters and, 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 and reasons to have that chip in your shoulder uh, carve deeper? A little bit, but I also kind of look at like some of the ranking stuff like throughout high school is ranked as number one player, but like that's all on paper. These guys, whoever it is, ranking these guys, they're they're not playing the game really. And so you got to, I feel like you got to not prove them wrong. You got to prove them right if it's good rankings. And so you got to go out there and make that happen. I think that that's what I would like, like with the prospect list and all this stuff. I want to get off that list. I want to prove them that I'm not just a prospect, but I want to be a, established big league or whatever it is so I, I think I look at it as different not just like proving them wrong but like yeah you're right and then so I'm going to prove you even more like you're right and yeah. if that makes sense no that makes perfect sense uh so so what's your relationship with pressure I think it's more so just like the lead up to something whenever I'm out there playing the game it's and I'm, I'm chilling out there it's yeah, there's right. pressure's gone because like I've told this a couple of times, like when I was out there in the Futures game, like flying in there, I was like, oh, I'm a little nervous, don't know these guys, playing in front of 30,000 people on TV, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I go out there and I'm like, this feels like I'm playing in the backfield in Arizona or something. I'm just, it just, it just, I don't know what it is. It's just about the game. And so it never really, I feel like the moments haven't really gotten too big or whatever for me, but I just got to keep just trying to be my I think that's what comes with just being myself and just keeping things simple and knowing I got my teammates backs and yeah with the futures game he hardly played with these guys but just with talking to him building relationships and the bus trip from our hotel to Coors Field we were talking and then just like that you got their back and so just the, building those little relationships and being a good teammate I think that helps with a lot of pressure. Do you remember the first time you were in a pressurized situation growing up and you you realize though you know what i'm i'm okay in this setting while it might be getting the best of some of the guys around me i'm handling it pretty well i think it was there's been a bunch of times but also with like doing like the going to the jupiter tournament when i was a sophomore in high school and just seeing all these scouts or it might have been a freshman seeing all these scouts there and the golf carts doing that and then i got on the field and it was just playing baseball and then as well as with Team USA, we're in Panama, playing against Panama in the championship game. They got eight, ten thousand 10,000 people there. They're all rooting against us. And then we get on the field and you're like, let's go. It's it's game time. And so I think those times, and then when I was younger, we did some other tournaments where we went out to Florida when we were 13 or something, or maybe younger. And so did that in front of whatever on television and stuff. But 
whenever I was out there playing, it can kind of all just all that stuff, the noise went away. Yeah, you hear that a lot from professional athletes where, you know, the noise is so loud until I get between those white lines. Uh, that's my haven. Uh, that's where I feel most comfortable. Yeah, and I just think it just comes with the preparation that you put into. We put in all this work in the cage. We put all this work taking ground balls. And so you want to make it hard on yourself in the cage, hard on yourself out there. So whenever you're in the game, you've done it before. You've done it thousands of times. And I think that's that's a huge thing is preparation, just yeah. being prepared, having confidence, and just going out there and having fun. Yeah. As I say, the big three things for me. Final things here, joined by Bobby Witt Jr. on 610 Sports Radio. So what's the feeling knowing that you have an entire fan base, an entire city uh, waiting to embrace you? I think it's unbelievable because this is why we play the game. It's for them. And just you, I hear a Michael Jordan quote like, you can never take a game off because you never know who's watching you because there could be that one kid that comes to one game and only sees you, and that's the only time he's ever going to see you. And so I kind of take that to me, and I just want to go out there and try to play as hard as I can each and every day so they can hopefully maybe – like we were saying earlier, make me someone else's role model or something. So, yeah, just I'm super excited. I'm smiling right now. It's it's awesome. I'm really looking forward to hopefully whenever the time comes and just I'm going to prepare myself for whatever. You mentioned you were a shy guy, shy kid growing up. Uh, well, you got a, you got a lot of attention coming your way uh, fairly soon. Are you, are you comfortable with that attention? Oh, yeah, definitely just with – the high school stuff, everything, and now, and I think that I've gotten really comfortable with with speaking or whatever it is, but I think that was more so when I was younger, just had three older sisters, and I was just like, "Ah, I don't know what to do, but then now, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I can, I feel like I can talk or whatever, yeah, 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 it's good now, yeah, so I I, I love it, I embrace it, and I enjoy it, and I try to make make the most out of it, because this stuff, you only get, you only have a certain amount of time in your career, so might as well make it all last, and make it all amazing why you why you can yeah have you, have you been able to enjoy each and every one of these steps not 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 too big picture goal oriented have you been able to enjoy uh, your your minor league experience yeah that's that's the whole goal like you said uh taking it day by day you can't really look yeah you can look to the past and try to learn from it but once that's done it's done you got to flush it move on and then you can't really look in the future because you can't really control that you don't know what's gonna happen you don't know if you're in a wake up tomorrow or whatever and so you just got to take it day by day and try to learn build from that and just enjoy it each and every day bobby very generous with your time man i appreciate it thank you very much yes sir thank you welcome back Vern. uh not Vern on baseball Vern on baseball is the name of the podcast that's where you'll find all of the interviews from this show this is Vern's Hot Stove. We're broadcasting live from Surprise, Arizona, site of Royal Spring Training 2022. We're not talking lockout. It's just, it's not interesting uh, to anyone. Even the people involved are not interested. Well, that's not true. Uh, they've got some stake, but they're annoyed by it, just like you and I are. If you, if you missed the Bobby Wood Jr. interview, you can find it right now. Uh, Julio Sanchez working his tail off the, the interview is already up on our podcast page right now 610sports.com or downloaded at the odyssey app that's also where you'll find my entire conversation uh, a 30-minute conversation with rusty Koontz, a 30-minute conversation with mitch meyer former royals first round draft pick uh, outfielder 
then he turned into a, a coach. You saw him as a first base coach at Kauffman Stadium, and now he's made his way up into the front office as the Royals Director of Player Development. We touched on so many different aspects of his baseball life and this organization. I would recommend you to head to the Odyssey app or 610sports.com and listen to the entire conversation. Here are a few highlights with Mitch Meyer. Speaking of the career, is there a story or a memory that stands out about that 2009 season playing behind Zach Granke? Yeah, I, I mean, I look at that year and I got to see a lot of it from center field. I, I just know those nights in Coffin, like this, it was it was slammed to watch Zach. Um, I was in awe with the way he prepared himself. He was ahead of his time in his preparation and game plan. He knew he knew what hitters were going to do. I. And I vividly remember um, that he made an adjust. He was waiting for the other team to make an adjustment about a month or so into the into the season, um, especially the left-handed hitters. And as soon as they made it, like he was ready. He knew that it was going to happen, and he, it, it like he minimized that gap, and and he he adjusted because he knew they were going to do it, and he was ready for it. And as soon as guys did it, he was, and it just it was phenomenal to watch. Like I said, he was so far ahead, I think, at that time of his game planning and his preparation. Um, and, yeah, it was it was a fun year. Um, you know, we didn't win like we, we wanted to, obviously, but getting a chance to play behind Zach, play with Zach in AA in 2006, and, um, and then see what he's done throughout the rest of his career is pretty special. What other stories come to mind from those years? Billy Butler, uh, David DeJesus. Billy was great. Um, you know, I, he was – the best hitter I ever saw like you know like like up close like day one that fall in structure league he was unbelievable um like ready to, like I, I feel like he could have probably played in the big leagues and survived at that time it was just I never seen anything like it just his com the control of the strike zone it just knew how to hit um we've had so many <laughs> so many you know good stories to talk about like I mean we've we've you know our wives, we had children together, we lived together, we roomed together. I, you know, I roomed with, with Billy. I have stories that, you know, uh, I, I, and we fought, we've hugged. I mean, there's been, there's been stuff that, uh, you know, it was like having siblings, like these are your brothers, your um, day to day with them. Um, you know, t you talked about Dave, like Dave and John Buck, they were kind of, um, you know, Dave, I remember our first major spring training, I locker next to Dave. That was the spring training of 04. Um, so we were coming off of uh, Tony Pena was the manager of the year. Uh, Barroa was the rookie of the year. We had, you know, Matt Stairs, Juan Gonzalez, Benito Santiago. Garth Brooks was in spring training with us. It was a whirlwind. I got to sit next to Dave. It was first. So we'd sit over in the corner. And I know I, I, my head was spinning with all those guys in there. <laughs> I, was, I was drafted the summer four, was lucky enough to be in major league camp the next year. Um, and just just looking at the dynamics of that camp was was wild. I mean, you had, like I said, Sweeney was there, Grimsley. Did you meet Garth? Oh yeah, yeah. He got a hit. He got a hit out here on the the main field, and he pulled a hamstring running down to first base. Um, but yeah, that was, I look back on that. That was a really a really cool um, time to, to be a part of, and just it's surreal. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So we had a. We had a, a, a young Latin catcher who I was really good friends with and played in the minor leagues. He actually had to run for Garth Brooks in that game when he got injured, and, and he didn't. He actually didn't know who Garth Brooks was. He thought he was actually initially in spring training. Started, he thought that Garth was trying to, you know, trying to make the team, 
So just like good stories that like he he had no idea he was a a country you know star and um, that was that was one of the coolest things I still ever saw here was you know he he would stand where they have it roped off in between our Brett and Whitefield he would stand there at the end of the day and he would sign every autograph every single autograph yeah. like I I was leaving one day and he was standing out there just like perspective of someone that is you know in the top of his industry and how um, generous he was and how he understands the importance of his, the fans and just gets it. Like he's an entertainer. He's here. Um, he could have, he could have not gone out there. He could have signed five and walked away, but some of that's always stuck with me on, on the way Garth went about things. Um, but it was, it was really cool to have him here in spring training. Was there a teammate or someone that you played against that you felt never got the credit they necessarily deserved? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I look at I look at guys, I look at guys like Moose. Like I never doubted once that Moose would have figured it out in the big leagues, yeah. just knowing his personality. Um, just I, it never once doubted me as, like, from like a player side. And then when I got into coaching, I I, I never once doubted like, like he would figure it out, just knowing the the player and how much he you know how good he was. But I never doubted that once. Um, you know, Gordo still the preparation that. Gordo put in was I'm still in awe of um, the day in day out. You know and that's you know not a talent, but it's like the, the the discipline and you think about like daily choices. Everything's a choice you do throughout your day, and you constantly are facing decisions, decisions, and to stay as as routine as he did and as grounded as he did through all of it is just I mean from day one uh, in 2006. You know we lived together in 2006 in Wichita. To see him, yeah, he made modifications to his routines, but to stay that disciplined throughout a career is something that I cannot, I can't even, it's hard for me to to, to, to even um, fathom doing it. And I, I feel like I'm pretty disciplined and pretty routine-oriented. But just to have watched that is, is I'm still in awe of how he was able to do that. And the success is obviously not a mistake. You can put the talent and, and that type of work ethic behind it. Um, you know, Alcides Escobar's ability to play every day out there was a phenomenal. Um, just watching Eski um, and the way he went about it, you didn't have to question if, you know, you think about playing that position and playing every day. Um, I think went under um, underappreciated, not underappreciated, but he just, you know, watching him go through his days and you didn't have to ever worry about it. Eski was going to play. Yeah. Eski's going to play shortstop. Like, it's just, you never had to worry about it. And I got to see it both as both sides of it as a player and, and obviously a coach. I remember Ned Yo said Alcides Escobar had shark bones. Apparently shark bones don't break. I don't know. Um, I remember him saying that after the Brett Lowry slide at second base. No, it was – he'd hit a fall ball. He'd get hit by a pitch. He would have, he'd have a blister. He'd have – I mean, it, it didn't matter. You, you, never even, you never even worried about it. And he never – he was never complaining. Like, he, he just loved – he loves playing the game. Yeah. That's what all those guys all have in common is that they all love the game, like truly love playing the game. Does that stand out to a ball player? Is it obvious? Uh, there's a difference. You can tell. Yeah, guys. Yeah, guys have. You can tell. Um, and there's there's extremely talented individuals that I've played with that maybe didn't have the same fire or a passion that you know others would. But um, it doesn't doesn't take any away from them being successful baseball players or having extremely you know successful careers. Um, but there's a level of passion for the game that shows when those guys have it. It shows. 
You mentioned living with Gordo. How how would you describe that time when when you're the guy? You know, we we talk about Bobby Witt Jr. or we in the media would talk about Bobby. Everybody talks about Bobby Witt Jr. and and what he could be. Um, is it comparable to an Alex Gordon and the kind of hype uh, he had coming up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think you know. <clears throat> I think Alex having the um, the George Brett stuff and the local, the, just the local ties, um, you know, was was really big shoes to fill and some big expectations. But like you said, you, you look at the look at look at Alex, and there's never a doubt that he would have figured it out um, because his passion for the game, his talent, his wor- the, the work ethic he put in. But those were some pretty, you know, when you're talking about the greatest player to to play in an organization ever. And that's who, you, like, you're you're supposed to be that guy. Like, that's, um, yeah, it's unfair. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. Like I said, Bobby's gonna be a great player. He's gonna be, he's a, you know, humble kid, works his tail off. What impresses you most about him? His desire to be great. I mean, he he wants to be good at all, at everything. He wants to be good on the bases. He wants to be able to bond. He wants to be good on defense. He's just he and, he and he loves playing. And we talked about guys that love playing the game. Kid loves playing the game. He's a ball player. He's extremely um, grounded. Um, was clearly raised raised right. Um, he's polite. He's sociable. Gets along with his teammates. And you know he knows he's talented, but he knows that nothing's gonna be given to him. Like he he's. He's fun to be around because um, the work every day, and he, he truly loves being out there, um, and he wants to be great. He wants to be a great player. Seems as if there's a natural leadership quality about Bobby Witt Jr., or at least that he there, there's nothing about him that's bashful um, when there are people following behind him. No, no, no. He's he's easy to get along with. He's easy to fall in line with. He does things the right way. He definitely leads by example. Um you know, I'd say he's quiet, but he, he guys gravitate because they see how he goes about it. They see how he, he treats them, he, he treats other people. So there's a lot, you know, that's a natural uh, gravitation of attraction to want to be around him and be like, you know. So I see that with the other players um, gravitating towards him because he has those those qualities. And, um, you know, I, I would be hard-pressed to think anyone would ever say anything bad about, about him, so teammate or, or staff member. You're listening to Vern's Hot Stove, Thursday night starting at 6 and available on demand on the Odyssey app, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back, Vern's Hot Stove here on 610 Sports Radio each and every Thursday night at 6 o'clock. I'm live from, well, I'm, I'm live out here all the time, but you get to hear uh, what I've seen, who I've spoken with each and every thursday night six o'clock Vern's hot stove all the way up until opening day uh, if you're just joining us bobby witt jr and mitch meyer stop by you can find those entire interviews on the odyssey app or at 610sports.com just find my podcast uh, the podcast title Vern on baseball i sat down with rusty Kuntz for a good half hour i'm gonna bring you as much of it as i can I just got to shut up first. So here is Rusty Kuntz. Well, speaking of that championship team, is there a moment in those runs? Is there a moment in that season where you went, oh, oh, these guys got it? And from your championships as a player, as a coach, uh, 
what what comes to mind where you went oh oh these guys got something special here yeah i think um two things come to mind i think when um when ace ventura hit machado with baltimore and and he he came out to say something to ventura and now we're in a fight and I think that was one of the turning moments that I remember. Uh, Pedro Grafal and I were talking about the other day, and we both agreed that, yeah, this was kind of one of those shining moments where we became a team. Yeah. And we, we fought for each other, and we believed in each other, and we were able to, you know, have each other's back. And, you know, all the, all the things that you want a, a, a ball club to be, well, it took that one moment to – kind of step back and go, ooh, this might be something special down the road. And then the second one was when Salvador Perez drove in Christian Colon for the wild card win. It was like something so electric on one swing of the bat and having something just turn the page on an entire uh, organization, you know, that that I knew anyway, because I wasn't back in 85 and that. But but a turning point for us is when Salvador got that clutch hit and drove in Christian Colon for the wing run, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to the playoffs. And just the, uh, the energy that that brought, not only from the ball team, but the city itself. Yeah. And now we had uh, going into kind of uncharted territory for us at that time, and it was like, okay, well, what's going to carry you through it? What's going to carry you to Anaheim? What's going to carry you to Ball what, Toronto? You know, all these clubs that we played, then eventually San Francisco and the New York Mets. Well, I just remember coming together as a ball club, Salvador putting us in position that we're now, we're in the playoffs. Well, let's show the entire world what we got yeah. as far as a club and that. And I think the the enthusiasm, the energy, and then, you know, being able to believe that you belong there, I think it, it just hit an all-time high at the right time. Mm -hmm. And then when we went into the playoffs and we started, it was like, oh, my gosh, no, no one panic. Wanted, no one wanted to face nobody, nobody wanted to play us. Right. You know, everybody was like, oh, God, they play a whole different style of game that we're not used to playing. And, and then be able to go out and execute. Yeah and be that kind of team that we wanted to be because we knew that's how it, that's how it was going to have to be to win. Yeah. And just to be able to go out and do it, and it was like, oh, my gosh. We just kept grinding, kept going, kept going. And then eventually we lost in the World Series to Bumgarner in San Francisco. And I think to a person in that locker room, I mean, there was nothing more exciting than winning, but there was n nothing more devastating than losing. And I was fortunate enough to have been through two World Series before that. And fortunately, we won both of them. And the exhilaration of winning, and now all of a sudden you lose, and it was a whole lot more painful to lose it than it was ever exciting to win it. But I think everybody in that locker room looked around and go, we should have been the winners. We should have won that. And it was like almost San Francisco stole it from us. So I know when those guys came back, you know, and Salvador was a big part of that too. It's like, wait a minute, we, we're good. We can get back there and we should have won it and we will win it. And that was the whole attitude from the very get uh, in spring training. 
is like we had that chip on our shoulder that, okay, we had it, and then they stole it from us. We're going to get it back and make it our own. And they did. I mean, that, that whole season was just one that just bang, 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 bang. Anything and everything we needed and had to do, it all came together. And then when we went to the playoffs, it was the same way. Was there a moment when things felt the most dire? Chiefs fans just went through this uh, in in the playoff game against the Bills. Mahomes goes down with 13 seconds left and enforces overtime. Boy, the, <laughs> there were a lot of them for the Royals in 14 and 15. Uh, Astros in Houston, uh, game six against the Blue Jays, the wild card game, the Angels game. When did things feel the most dire? Right. I think it was the sixth inning. I think it was the sixth inning in Houston. And, and uh, Morales came up and mm-hmm. hit that chopper up the middle, mm-hmm. and it took the bad hop. And it went, okay. Because one thing they always talk about, when you get into the playoffs, the one thing about it that's kind of on an equal playing field is that everybody's good. The pitching is really, really good. That's why they're there. Now, what's the separation? Well, the separation is the luck factor. The ball bounces your way and not their way. Okay, this guy comes in, he, he's wearing a cape. You know, this guy comes in and he's wearing, you know, that kind of thing. But I think when that when that hop bounced off and tipped off of Correa's glove mm-hmm. and went into the alpha and we ended up scoring one or two runs at that time to tie it up or even go ahead or whatever it is, I think that was one of the shine that I remember. I think that was one of the shining moments that you went, oh, this is going to be something special. Yeah. Because those kind of plays don't happen if there's not a good ending at the end of it, you know, that kind of deal. And then the, the ball falling in uh, against Toronto when uh, Batista and, you know, it, it goes, the ball drops in between them, and then here comes the floodgates. Here we go. You know, those are the little things that have to happen if teams are that equally good. Those little things have to happen to get some kind of a separation. And then when they do – and you take advantage of it, then you know that you're on the right track for something good. But I I just remember those two plays. And then, of course, uh, Mike Jersey sending uh, Locaine home on the Batista play down the right field line was a huge one. I mean, those were all – and then then Hosmer, the dash, you know, from – from third to home uh, on on the play uh, in in the New York Mets. But all of those little plays come into – you know, come into your mind when you sit back and you look at it, you go, okay, what was the moment that you knew it was going to be special or you knew you had a chance to win or you knew that you were in the right place at the right time? Well, those three or four things happened and you go, oh, there's a reason why these things are going on like they are. There's there's one moment I always bring up on the radio as far as the moment I think things really started to change and it could be incorrect. I'm wondering if you remember uh, Lorenzo Cain on first base against the Detroit Tigers and in Detroit Victor Martinez tries to make pleasantries yeah uh, what, what do you remember about that oh yeah I, I remember standing there and Locaine got to first base you know Victor is just a wonderful guy and and another one of those guys that just loves to play the game and and he was always you know always talking uh, you know he never talked trash he never said anything derogatory and stuff like that he just He's just a, a well-liked person, a respected player in the in the game, and he, he just happened to catch Locaine on the wrong day. But um, 
for me personally, it was great to see it because um, Victor just asked him, hey, puppy, how you doing? You know, how's it going? You know, and he and Locaine just turned and snapped. He goes, we're tired of getting our freaking butt kicked by you guys. You know, we're not we're not your friends anymore. We're not going to take it anymore. It's our time to take this division. It's our time to do something special. You know, so, you know, I, I'm not going to sit around and talk about, you know, how good you guys are and how nice you are and blah, 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 you know. But to see that kind of uh, reaction from Low Kane, who the only thing that you picture Low Kane having is that huge big smile, you know, that, that, and now, and the dugout's close enough to first base in Detroit that you can hear the whole conversation there, you know, and I, I kind of turned around and I looked at the dugout after Low Kane goes off, and, you know, he didn't mean it to Victor personally, but just, I mean, I mean, Detroit Tigers at that time, they had our number. They were wearing us out. You know, they got Verlander, Scherzer, all these guys on the mound that were just shoving it one night after another. And finally, we just got a couple of wins together. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. We're tired of getting pushed around. We're tired of getting beat up. We're tired of, you know, and just see that reaction by Locaine. I mean, that totally fired up our bench. It's like, oh, my God, if Locaine can do this, Maybe that's what that's maybe that's about where we should be, you know. And so that was really a, a a shining moment for me. It's like, oh my gosh, these guys are tired of getting beat up. It's it's time for them to start retaliating, give it some back, you know, that kind of deal. And then I just remember we just, yeah, you just had to pedal to the metal after that. And it was like, okay, that was probably one of the moments where Locaine brought it out in us, and we just stepped on the gas and we just kept riding it. Kane, Haas, Moose, just champions really throughout that clubhouse and some highly touted prospects like a Hosmer and a Moustakas, which which brings us to uh, today's most highly touted prospect in Bobby Wood Jr. Now, I'm not going to ask you to make any comparisons, but as far as a 21-year-old is concerned, I can't imagine you've seen very, very many like him. Not too many. Not too many, not too many 20-year-olds that are five-tool players that that bring the kind of energy and the kind of smile and the kind of exuberance that a young player brings and no swag, no attitude, no nothing, just a baseball player going out and playing baseball and loving every minute of it, you know, and refreshing. Absolutely. Uh, last time I've seen a smile and energy like that was Griffey Jr. Back in the day when 1989, when I first started, that was the first guy that that I had uh, in the outfield for four, his first four years uh, with Seattle Mariners, and every day he'd bring the smile and the energy and the tool belt, you know. And it, he showed one tool, if not all five of them, every single day. And that's what Bobby Witt Jr. brings uh, every day that he goes out there. And and you know, and don't let the smile fool you. Or the mustache. Or the mustache. Yeah. Or, well, whatever you call that, yeah. Looks like he got into a mud hole or something. But anyway, because he, like Junior, not to compare him, but he, like Junior, they always had a, a great time and they always smiled because there was a lot of things in baseball that came very easy for them. But the one thing that they have in common is their competitiveness. Man, they compete. So you're taking all that talent, all that energy, all that youth, 
and now you're bringing the competitive into it too. Yeah, you got a pretty good player on your hands. No, well, I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. That's that's my wheelhouse. That's that's the guy that we all wanted to be in the neighborhood growing up. And yeah, with that with that tool belt, that tool box, yeah, it it, it always seemed easy. And even the things that didn't, let me put it this way. I wouldn't have thought competitiveness would have been the first thing that you bring up when talking about Ken Griffey Jr., but competitiveness, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer too? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Because, I mean, yeah, he had a great time because he had so much to work with. I mean, he he was blessed with everything. But to keep it, he had to work hard, and that's what he did. And, man, when the bell rang at 7 o'clock and it was game time, the hat went forward, and so did the so did the attitude. I mean, he was, yeah. Was he a leader? Did he have that leadership skill like it appears Bobby has? Not like Salvador. Not like Salvador. I mean, uh, Junior was very soft-spoken. He didn't say a lot of uh, words. He wasn't a rah-rah guy for sure. He led by example. He was more of a ga- uh, uh, Alex Gordon type of guy. You know, in the locker room, he was a big jokester. He was a big kidder. You know, uh, he loved his teammates. You know, he had fun with them. Uh, when, you know, he, could, he, he had the ability to sense that, you know, when, when things were getting kind of uh, tight, you know, how to loosen it up a little bit, you know, by doing whatever he does, you know, whatever a 19-year-old does. And, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean – all you had to do is kind of sit back and watch him compete and play every single day. And, you know, other, th- uh, other than when he ran into the wall and broke his wrist, and, oh, by the way, he was back in about eight weeks swinging a bat and, and putting up more numbers. It, it's crazy, yeah. But, you know, he, he, wasn't that, he wasn't that guy that was going to step up and take the mic and, or call his teammates out and let's go, you know. But, no. He got dressed, put his head on backwards, walked out every day and played, and let the numbers and and, and anything that he brought had had to bring that day come forward. And he was just that kind of a player, you know. He just led by example, and he did a pretty damn good job of it. Final thing, he sure did. He sure did. That that's Rusty Kuntz. Uh, that's only a portion of our conversation. Find the entire. Bobby Witt Jr., Mitch Meyer, Rusty Kuntz interview. Find them all right now at the Odyssey app. Name of the podcast is Vern on Baseball. Uh, You know baseball. Hopefully you remember the four letters, Vern. Just punch those into the Odyssey app and you'll find all the interviews. 610sports.com works as well. Thanks to Julio Sanchez for the help back at the studio. Great job as always. Bruce Weber is next, Royals fans. Talk to you next week. Take care. This is Burns Hot Stove. Thursday night starting at 6 on your home for Royals baseball in Kansas City. 610 Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.